Hello and welcome to another episode of Sports and Songs Podcast. Today, Andy and I get the uh, chance to interview Mr. Zero from the Kiss tribute band Kissin' Time. Today is June 27th, 2022, and this will be part of our music segment. Uh, how you doing, Andy? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, heat calmed down a little bit, so it's a little nicer out there, but uh, it's coming back this week and should be a good weekend. Awesome. Awesome. So this will be a good uh, show. Now, Andy and I... Mr. Zero, our, our, our big KISS fans going back to the early days have been longtime KISS fans. We promote a lot of music, concerts, bands, albums on this show. But we're looking forward to this one in particular because you're the lead singer of the band KISS in Time, um, a KISS tribute band that focuses really on the first couple of, uh, first couple of albums. Tell a little bit about yourself, Mr. Zero, and, uh, and what role you lead in the band, obviously the lead singer, but you're the Paul Stanley star child, are you not? I, that is correct. Do you want me to be in character or out of character? Oh, maybe yeah, in. For you. Maybe a little Brooklyn accent for the in character. Well, actually, see, then you're not a big enough kids fan because Paul's Queens. Queens. He's Queens. He's Queens. Oh. He's Queens. Yes. Strike one. That's yes. We're if you're paying attention, Mr. Zero. We'll see if you're just a yes man or not. Oh yeah, no, I am not. I'm, I'm anti-yes So we were able, we were able to meet you guys at the last show you did the Trib Fest. There's a photo of us here uh, outside the Minnesota Music Cafe, and it was a Trib Fest. Uh, tribute bands played that day over there at the Minnesota Music Cafe. Excellent experience. We got a chance to meet you guys, but like I said, tell us a little bit uh, about the the I'm band. First and foremost, yes. First and foremost, uh, Mr. Zeros is the creator sponsor of the MSP Trip Fest. That's our event. Oh, it is. Okay. Yes. Yes, yes. We created that. Um, oddly enough, there uh, there's a Duluth Tribute Fest that we tried to get into for years, and somehow we were not able to get in there. So me and my former stage guy, Michael, were throwing around ideas backstage one night, and he says, well, what's stopping us from doing our own? And I said, nothing. So we created the MSP Trip Fest in 2017, I think, uh, no, 2018, 2018. And we did the first one in 2019, and then COVID hit. So, yeah. um, all right, so the, the question was, uh, I'm sorry, the first question is? the uh, How you got started with the band, and I know you run the band, but uh, if you can go over the lineup, what kind of music you guys go through, and the origination of how you got involved with the costumes and the whole the whole shebang with Kiss and Time, specifically. This, this, well, this would be my third Kiss tribute. Um, I did a, I did one in the early '80s called Black Diamond in Sioux City, Iowa, and then moved it to Des Moines, and then uh, with different guys, and then um, I got out of the music biz for uh, playing wise for over two decades because I'd had enough with musicians and a crazy, crazy, crazy story how this got started, this kissing time. Um, I have the store Mr. Zero's and um, they, I've, I've done a lot of uh, local press for TV and radio and some movies and magazines and newspapers, blah, 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 blah. And a guy had seen me in the city pages, which is no longer. And he brought in his kiss, his Gene Simmons 1977 love gun costume to sell. 
and uh, a bunch of Kiss memorabilia. And I said, you're not going to Kiss anymore, huh? And he goes, eh. And I said, you're not doing the Kiss tribute anymore? And he goes, can't find a Paul. And I said, oh. And I started to laugh. And he goes, why, do you know one? I said, well, I was one. And he looked at me and he goes, well, that must have been a long time ago. And I said, we're not getting off to a good start here. So uh, <laughs> we, we were talking and... Uh, and the truth be known, when I look back, I, I that was the heaviest I'd ever been, and I hadn't played music in a long time, and so uh, I get where he was coming from. And I, I don't I don't really dress a, like a rock star when I'm working or on the street, you know. I, I, it's it's a job. So um, Vince Neil of Motley Crue once said, "Hey, we're not like Kiss. We dress like this all the time, whereas they walk in in street clothes and walk out as Kiss." And uh, uh, Kiss had pointed out numerous times that was in their favor because they could go anywhere they wanted and almost nobody would bother them. So uh, anyway, the guy's talking to me and he's like, you know, uh, you want to come down? He um, he had just auditioned for Hairball and didn't get the job, but he was jamming with a couple of the guys from Hairball at their at one of their uh, practice spaces. And he said, you want to come down and jam with us? And I said, no. I said, I don't do that anymore. I'm, I'm not interested in playing anymore. Um, and he's like, really, why? And I said, it just, I'm, I can't take uh, the inconsistency of musicians. I have no tolerance for it. And uh, he said, ah, you know, come on, come on. I'm like, no, 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 no. So he left, and then he called me. Within the next three days, I don't remember if it was the next day or three days later, but he called me and he said, hey, man, we're playing down at this club. We'd like you to come down and audition with us. Uh, he had another band, um, which is still going, but he's not in it. Hollywood Boulevard was his band. Oh, okay. yeah. And he said, uh, Hollywood's playing Lee's. We'd like you to come down and audition for, for this Kiss band that I'm putting together. Um, we want to do Strutter. And we want you to come down and audition. And I said, no, no, uh, thanks, but no thanks. I'm flattered that you're interested and you're asking me, but I'm just not really, I don't want to do that anymore. And uh, this um, gal that used to shop in here, who was kind of a friend of mine, big um, music scene fan, uh, happened to come in that day. And she was talking to me, and I said, hey, these guys are playing down there at least tonight. She goes, really? And she was extremely attractive, rounded up all her friends, and they went down and watched the band. And he calls me the next day, and he goes, dude, we're disappointed you didn't show up, but we had to call you and thank you for sending down those half a dozen good-looking chicks <laughs> last night. And I go, yeah, no problem. Um, and he said, uh, you know, I'm still interested if you're interested. And I said, no, no. And... Um, a couple weeks had gone by, and I noticed that I was thinking about it more, and I didn't really have anything going on. Um, the, the fact of the matter is I had just lost my house um, to foreclosure, and so I was kind of sitting around, and I was like, oh, man, you know, I got really nothing to do. So I called him up, and I said, hey, uh, I'm going to audition now. And he says, well, great. Meet me over in South Mini at this house, and we'll and we'll run we'll run through some tra some tunes. I go fine. So I went over there, and it was a 
like everything involved with this situation, it, it's all weird. I show up at this house. It's a fairly nice house. We walk in. It is empty. There's nothing in this house. And we go upstairs and go up another set of stairs to this top third floor bedroom where that's where he lived. And there was the guy had a coffee maker, a TV, and a bed, and his guitar amp. And that was it. And this whole house is empty. And it's solid wood, woodwork everywhere. And we started playing, and uh, it, everything just echoed and, and thundered through this house because it was empty, and there's nothing in it but him and I. And we ran through about five tunes, and he stood up and looked at me, and he goes, well, you got the voice. And, he, and then he walked out the door, and he goes, I need you to work on your guitar. And I said, I told you I haven't played in decades. And he goes, I think we got something here. And he goes, I know a drummer. And uh, let's work out some tunes before we bring him in because he's semi-pro. I said, fine. So it, and, and this is a really cool thing. When I was a kid, my mom said to me, uh, I'm from Sioux City, Iowa, but uh, I kind of grew up in Jackson, Mississippi, too. And when, we were, and when I was in Jackson in junior high, my mom said, you know, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to be a kiss. She goes, well, there's already a kiss. And I go, nah, ma. I said, by the time I get old enough, nobody will remember those guys, and I'll do something similar. And she's like, uh-huh. But one day I called my mom, and I said, well, ma, I got to do it. I'm in kiss. And she said, yeah, you know, your, your dream came true. So the cool thing about kissing time is it very much followed exactly what kiss went through, but on a much micro level and including it was just the gene and i starting out going through songs and then um i can't remember what my I, unfortunately the weird thing is when i interview people you know i'm asking for dates and facts and all this stuff and i'm on it and i am often i used to be surprised that they didn't have better memories until i got in the driver's seat now people ask me stuff and i kind of like I think it was around, and this is one of the cases right here, because it was, you know, it's Paul and Gene working on tunes. I think we had, uh, I'm pretty sure it was like five tunes, much like their demo. Uh, I do remember the five tunes, though. It was uh, Dew Strutter, Parasite, uh, Cold Gin, and I think Got to Choose were the five that we were doing. And uh, he knew this drummer through this guitar player, uh, the guitar player was interested in being ace, and uh, but the the drummer was the one that came down first, and it happened to be Minnesota Pete Campbell from St. Cloud, who's in Pentagram touring the world as we speak, wow. which is uh, why he's not in Kissing Time anymore, because his <laughs> commitments with Pentagram kept getting, he, he'd have to leave all the time and leave the country. So... Um, we, we've got we it led to the guy that we have currently which i'll discuss the lineup in a minute anyway um we moved out of that house in minneapolis because i guess it's sold or something i don't know remember i told you it was empty and we were down at track studio and uh the bass player the gene of the band happened to know the owner of tracks and got it's the biggest room in the building and we uh two of the guys from hairball we're hanging we well we were hanging with them more than them hanging with us we were hanging with them <laughs> and uh 
it was at a, a really cool, weird stage for everybody because Hairball was upgrading their show and, and casting off a lot of their costumes and props and wigs. And they, they said, well, you guys are getting this started. You need, you need some help. Let us help you out. And so Hairball actually contributed to getting this off the ground. Okay. And, uh, then, one step further, Joe Dandy, who's still in Hairball, came down and helped build a stage in this rehearsal space down at Tracks. We had a stage built there where we started the first part of the Kiss and Time stage with the sign and the fake cabinets. Oops, I shouldn't have said that out loud. <laughs> and uh, um, that's another great story uh, a little bit later. Um, we had a stage in there, and we, we started from there. We built the stage, and we practiced on the stage. Um, and then my memory is before any of that happened, it was, it was really cold out. So I don't know if, if Minnesota Pete came in late September, October, or early November. I, I, I just remember it was fall, it was really cold out, and when we went into this rehearsal space, it was all brick, there was, no, there was nothing in there, and the sound just was uh, atrocious because everything's bouncing off the walls. And the first, I, I remember the first uh rehearsal we did with pete we didn't have the, a full pa and we got done doing like five songs or six songs i think by that time we had lover all i can in there and uh we took a break because pete was a smoker and we went outside and pete said on the way out and he goes this guy doesn't even need a pa and he was pointing at me he's like that dude's so fucking loud oops this is a podcast you can that out <laughs> yeah, we're only live no, 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 we're not live. So, then he was talking, he's like, man, he goes, this dude's voice is unbelievable. And uh, hang on one second, guys. No, pro no problem. So, for the listeners out there, uh, this kissing time is really. Uh, the name of the name of the band yeah, is taken from an early song from their first first album um, called Kissin' Time. So oh, go ahead. About, they were talking about how loud uh, how my voice projected, and then the three of us rehearsed for a while, exactly like Gene, Paul, and Peter did. And um, the guy that brought us Pete was going to be Ace, but um, he showed up for a few practices, and then he just pulled me aside one night. And he goes, "Dude," he goes. I'm not into this. He goes, I don't look enough like Ace, and I, I don't want this to be, uh, I want this to be, you know, pro, spot on, and not look, you know. Uh, Half-assed. Yeah, yeah. And he said, you know, I, I, I'll fill in to, uh, and help you find a guy, but, um, you know, I'm just wanting to let you know that this this is, I'm not going to stay. And, uh that was Mick Rotella, who I'm still friends with today. And, we, you know, we owe him a lot because he brought in Minnesota Pete. Well, uh, I do remember we took a Christmas break. I remember that because we got back together after Christmas. And I was walking in, setting up uh, down at tracks. And this tall guy with long hair walks in and just starts setting up. And uh, I looked over and I thought, oh, I'm being replaced. 
And because uh, he started setting up kind of where I usually set up. And I was like, oh, huh, okay. And I didn't really know what to say. And, uh, and I had been out of the circuit for a long time, so I knew they could find anybody better than me. And I just said, you know, so who are you? And he says, I'm Paul. And I said, yeah, okay. But that's his real name. And uh, I, I said, well, I said, well you, you jamming with us tonight? And he goes, yeah, that's what they tell me. It was pretty quiet, and he, he was kind of sarcastic and curt, which I appreciated. Uh, and um, so we started off the usual six that I already named, and he just blew through them. And uh, one second, please. Yeah. There are more file tracks in the back corner. Those aren't priced yet. They are for sale. We just don't have prices on them. You're welcome to dig through them. See, yep. You see anything you want, you're interested, bring it up. I'll get you a price on it. Sorry, guys. We're back. No problem. Um, so uh, we blasted through them, and I'm like, uh, this can't be happening because the guy stood like Ace, played like Ace. His facial expressions were like Ace. And he's not even in costume. And I'm like, I went over to the bass player and I said, you know, well, we want to gotta keep this guy. And he goes, you need to keep your mouth shut because he just came down to, to, te to, to try this out to see what's going on. You know, we can't pressure him. And I said, all right. And so I'm like, so who are you? And he says, I'm Paul Helms. And I said, well, you do this pretty good. And he goes, I ought to. I was ace and Kiss Army for, what, 12, 13 years. And I said, oh, well, that explains it. And uh, he left, and we didn't really know what was going to happen. And a week or so later, practice again, and he shows up. And I said, you in? And he goes, we'll see. And it was magic. And uh, it, it was just magic. And uh, we, I do remember, and it's written down somewhere, uh, our first full gig was... Um, Lee's February 14th, February of, the, of 2014, which was the anniversary of the first Kiss album in February of 74. And we kind of picked, we kind of wrote on that for our, uh, for the advertising. We had done a couple of things, partial things prior to that. One in, uh, hang on one second. How are we doing today? Hey, Jack. Eight tracks. We only take them if you give them to us. We don't buy them. If you want to give them to us, we don't buy them. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I'll play the dozen. So uh, we did um, a couple of partial things before that February gig. There was a October gig in uh, 2013, and then uh, it was a Halloween gig. And then um, something else like Thanksgiving of 2013. But the first full show was um, February 2014, the anniversary of the first Kiss album. And a cool thing was uh, I read an article with Gene in the, in the late 80s. And they were talking to him about touring and set lists. And he goes, I remember the, he goes, I can tell you the set list for our first tour. And they said, you got it written down? He goes, no, I have it memorized. And he, and, he, and he listed it off. And I thought, that is so cool. And that's what got me interested in logging all the set lists for all the concerts. And I eventually ended up working on a book, Kiss Alive Forever. That's a different story. But I do 
remember the first set list we did, the, uh, pretty much in the order that we did it. And somebody asked me about it the other day, and I said, oh, yeah, it went like this. And uh, so we did, uh, the idea was, one second. It's kind of hard to come by because it was final ended in 87 and cassettes were selling then. We've had it, but it's not easy to come by. Yeah. So, uh, the idea was the bass player said, look, you know, let, look at all the Kiss tributes out there. There's Strutter and Kiss Army and Mr. Speed and Hotter Than Hell and Dress to Kill and Destroyer and, you know, on and on and on. And he goes, and all those guys got big money tied up into their shows and we don't have that right now so what if we recreate the first tour uh, where because nobody's done that and I just started chuckling and I said well that was my Black Diamond band we only did the first three records and he said really and I said you know kind of the same thing we didn't have the money and you know we just wanted to do the first three because that's the three that I liked and we were all in agreement. And so, uh, but he wanted to do the first tour and, and I had to point out to him being a historian that worked on Kids Alive Forever. I go, dude, I said, right here and now, you're gonna have to do Simple Types, Keep Me Waiting off the Wicked Lester album. You're gonna have to do Life in the Woods, which was done in 73 and never recorded on an album. And I don't even know what that song sounds like, so how, how are we going to do that? And then he, we, we settled on, well, maybe we got to do the 74, 75 tour, Hotter Than Hell. And I said, okay. And I said, well, I want to call the band Kissin' Time. And he said, no, we're going to call it Rock and Roll All Night. And I said, dude, not only is that a bad name, there's already a, a, a Minneapolis band that was called that. They're going to think we're the same band, and we're not. And uh, many years later, the gene from that rock and roll night uh, called me to audition for Kissin' Time. <laughs> and uh, anyway, the, fir the first few shows were billed as rock and roll night because it was whoever made the poster the quickest, the fastest. Okay. If I made a poster, it said Kissing Time. If, if that gene made it, it was called Rock and Roll Night. So we did that for about six months. And um, the ace in the band, Paul Helms, God bless him, he's like a brother to me. He said, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. I, I've done it. For over a decade, I'm a little burned out on it. And I just, I don't even really want to play music anymore. And I'm like, wow, dude, not, you know, you're great. You know, um, we love you. You got to stay. And he's like, nope. Um, he said, uh, I really am done. Oh, hey, Phil. Is that one piece or? Oh, Okay. Thank you. Uh, ordinarily, we're never busy at this time, but of course I'm on <laughs> So uh, Paul left, and then uh, we had to find a replacement, and uh, we found a guy, uh, and he did not work out so well, and I'm not going to talk. That's really all I'm going to say about that. Okay. And uh, then uh, Minnesota Pete, 
kept having to go to Europe for with Pentagram. And uh, this guy that I knew kept calling me, and he's like, I know a guy that wants to do to play in your band. And I said, yeah. And uh, thanks, Phil. Is that it? What, but wait, there's more. Order now. And, uh, okay, so that goes like that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Awesome. That it? Okay. Just bring them in. So uh, I said, I knew these guys, and I'm like, yeah, so who, and they go, well, this heavy Kevy, and I go, the Beatles guy? And they're like, yeah, he's great. And I'm like, I've seen him. He's Beatles guy. I said, you know, Peter had a different style, and I said, but so did Ringo, and, and those two, I don't know, man, the music, and they're like, nah, you got to give him a chance. And I, uh, Kiss of Time was asked to play a small gig uh, for this birthday party. And my three guys said, uh, are you kidding me? Oh, my God. We can absolutely use those 100%. Um, Kiss of Time was asked to do this small birthday party, and the other guys said no. But this guy that was trying to get Heavy Kevy in our band said, hey, what if we do um, a Paul Stanley solo show? And I said, uh, yeah, I'm listening. And he goes, I'll be your bass player. We'll get Kevy on drums. And, um, uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Phil. All right. We can always use that. Recycling. Thanks, Phil. Good luck with the move. They said, uh, hang on. How you doing today? What are you looking for today? Can we hang on to your backpack while you shop? We got to ask everybody. They said, right there, right there. There you go. Thank you. Um, he said, uh, I'll play bass. We'll get Kenny on drums. And then, uh, I said, uh, we can get Mick Rotella to play guitar. And I started laughing. And I said, they're like, you know Mick? And I said, yeah, I know Mick. If you guys remember, he was in the beginning of this story. Right, yep. So I said, yeah, okay. So we rehearsed a couple times, and we did about a half hour. Um, that set list, I, I got it written down somewhere, but I don't have it memorized. But I do remember... Uh, we did a lot more non-Paul songs than we did Paul songs. And somebody asked me why, and I said, well, in Kiss, you know, in Kiss i got to sing the Paul songs. So if I'm not doing a Kiss show, I want to sing the other songs. So we did this show, and uh, I was like, wow, they were right about you, Kevin. Kevin, you're, you're unbelievable. And he's like, well, yeah, you know, keep me in mind. Something comes up, okay. Well, a month later, Minnesota Pete had to go to Sweden, so I called Teddy uh, um, Kevy and said, you know, here's your chance, and uh, by this time we'd replaced uh, the one ace, and we were on to a guy named Jace Youngs, and uh, who was really great. He, he looked like ace, he played like ace, it was just natural, and that story, crazy story on there, they're all crazy stories. Uh, I had a band called Mr. Zero, and they were 
the three of them, there was four of us, and the other three were in capital guitars where this guy walks in, starts playing ace tunes, walks up to the counter and says, who's this kissing time? And they're like, why? And he goes, I'm trying to find him. I want to audition for that band. I heard they need a new guitar player. And my three guys were standing on the other side, and they're like, follow us. So they brought him in, and he walks right up to me, and he goes, I'm your new ace. I said, is that so? He goes, yeah. And I said, when he walked away for a second, I asked my three guys from Mr. Zero, I said, the band, not the store, the band. I said, is he any good? And they're like, dude, he's got the chops. I was all right. So I went down and auditioned him, and he was great. And we brought him on. We, we played Rock Fest with him. And he was great until he didn't want to do it anymore. The average lifespan of a guy in this band is two and a half years besides me. I'm the only one that's been there nine years. Pete, Minnesota Pete did five years, and Heavy Kevy's going on five years. But um, besides that, it's, it's, it's pretty much me. Two and a half years, and they just kind of burn out. It's a lot of work to do that. The makeup and that costume upkeep because you got to fix your costume after every show and uh it takes a lot out of you you know to do to get a, to first of all to wear a 10 15 pound costume and a wig and makeup and all that crap and um anyway uh we bring the guys down to what was that place called i don't know profile maybe something and we and the other two guys are like going uh you know, I, like, I don't know about this guy. That's the Beatles guy. And I said, look, trust me. I just did a gig with him. He's the one. Third song in, they looked at me and they just nodded. And Heavy Kevy took over for Minnesota Pete in about, I think it was December 2017. And then we kind of alternated between those two guys until Pete eventually left because he got married and had a baby. Um, and then the, 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 the first bass player, he's... Stuck it out till about a year. He left in October of 2015. And the guitar player we had at the time knew a guy. We brought this guy, uh, Joe Marvelous, in. And it was crazy. Uh, Joe was really tall and thin and quiet, never spoke. And uh, somebody said to me one night, he said, uh, hey, Gene doesn't speak very much. And I said, yeah, about three times a night. And while he and I shared the same makeup table, and I told him the story, and he looks at me and he goes, that's being generous. <laughs> and I said, all right, you got two left, two sentences left. But when he hit the stage, man, he was Gene. It was awesome. And, uh, but Joe had a wife and kid, and he just didn't want to do it. So we brought in uh, Zen McGuire, and Zen was with us for about two and a half years. Uh, sad but true, Zen's wife was killed. And uh, couldn't continue with the band. Just, you know, life changes. And then we got uh, uh, the guy, which you asked me about lineup. So while I was doing my Paul Stanley solo gig uh, with almost every other band in town, Act, the Ace Fraley Band, um, Hollywood Boulevard, Rock Gods, Mad Mike's Fun House, um, Rough House, um, almost a back alley, almost every other band, they would have me come out and do this. Well, I, at Hollywood Boulevard, Gonzo came to me one night and he's like, you ever needed a, a fill in for Gene? And I, and I'm like, nah, 
but I knew Zan was leaving, so I just kept it in the back of my mind. And pretty close to the same time, uh, Jimmy, top Jimmy, who we got now, came to me and said, you ever need a sub for Ace? And I said, nah. But I knew that Jace was going to be leaving soon because it was that two-and-a-half-year mark. And they both left about the same time, so I brought him, well, uh, brought him in, and that's the current lineup since November 2020 is Gonzo Simmons as Gene Simmons, uh, Heavy Kevy uh, uh, as Peter Chris since, like I said, December 2017 in that ballpark. And Top Jimmy was like November 2020. And um, we did a showcase up in Fridley, and my old booking agent, who had booked me with Mr. Zero and Kissing Time, came up to me and he's like, dude, this is the best lineup you've ever had. I said, well, yeah, then take us back on your roster. And he's like, yeah, I'll think about it. And I said, well, if we're as good as you say we are. Well, he booked us at Hinkley Casino on Sunday, so... There you go. Uh, there you go. Um, so the, the, the thing about why we did, uh, I kind of touched on the early show, because we didn't have the money for the props, and, and you can't really do uh, pyro in the small clubs anymore. And you really can't at all, because we have Thanks pyro. In, yeah, we have pyro, in our, and, and Gonzo does spit fire, but... You know, some of the places we can't even do confetti or the smoking guitar. They're just like, nope, 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 nope. One place didn't even want us to do this, the blood spitting during 100,000 years. And uh, I thought, so you want a kiss band? What, you, you just want us to stand there and sing Heaven's on Fire? Is that what you're looking for? <laughs> you know, um, Domino and uh, Beth. And I said, you know, you don't want the show. But uh, some places have let us do it all. And um, it's we never really know until like about a half hour before we go on what they're going to green light because what like we you know the thing that just struck me as odd was like no confetti and this hotel we were playing at in Bloomington there was uh, a band played there they shot confetti and they used fog and the fog dampened the confetti and the confetti soaked into the carpet and ruined the carpet. So, so they said, yeah, no confetti, no fog, and I'm like, okay, whatever. But anyway, so we, the early show didn't have a lot of, uh, it relied more heavily on, on the uh, makeup, costumes, and the songs. But, um, and in the first, this is what was so dumb about the idea of the, the gene, the first gene calling us rock and roll all night. We did not play rock and roll all night. <laughs> And I go, I'm like, do you realize what a misstep this is? I said, Pete, you know, they're going to expect to hear this. No, no, don't worry about it, dude. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, no, that's why I, if I could get the poster out before him, I, I would use the name Kissing Time. And because um, he and I are both artists. He was ace better than me. Uh, in all fairness, he was better than me, but I was quicker than him. So anyway, um but very, very quickly, I realized, you know, there's only 20 songs on those first two records, and we were doing about 11 or 12 of them because we were only 
we were doing an under an hour set. The whole idea for us was to emulate um, Kiss as an opening act. So there'd be one or two other bands on the bill. And, um, and we weren't doing Keep Me Waiting, Simple Types, or even Life in the Woods. The miraculous thing, though, was when somebody saw the, the ad, actually it was Tommy Summers of Three Sides of the Coin, he saw the ad that we were doing the first tour, and he said, you can do Life in the Woods. I go, dude, I've never even heard that song, so how can we do it? And he goes, I got it. He gave me a copy of it, so I got to hear it for the first time. And uh, we worked it up, and we've, we've done it in practice. How you doing today? Um, we've done it in practice with over, over the years, but it never, we never got to do it live, which is a huge disappointment for me, but I get, you know, it's not a, not a dictatorship, but it's not democracy either. But if I got three guys going, no, I can't really say, yeah, but we've done it in practice, just not on, in, uh, in a show. And, um, so, um, pretty quickly, I started talking to the guys, and, hang on one second. What game are you looking for? Okay. Yep. So, um, pretty quickly, we, we started reaching into Dress to Kill. A lot of people don't realize that. She and Love Her All I Can, though they were on the third album, were actually on the first tour. They okay. had those songs um, in Wicked Lester, and they were doing them on the first tour in 73. Um, and uh, so those were always with us. And then I said, look, guys, you know, we got to end with rock and roll night. There's just no other way. And nobody wanted to do it, so my idea to make it more interesting was, one second. What were you looking for today, dude? Uh, what we were doing to make it interesting, we did it unplugged where each guy sang one verse and everybody seemed to like that. And that's how we did it for a long time. And then um, the thing that started to break the mold was uh, we wanted to do one A song and everybody wanted to do shock me. And I'm like, no, I said, if we're going to do a song, we're going to do rip it out. I go, well, that's from his solo album. And I said, even though it's from his solo album, he wrote it in 1968 when he was with magic people and the lead singer of the band, Larry Kelly wrote the, the lyrics and Ace wrote the music. And, uh, one time kissing time was opening for Ace in new hope. And I got to ask him about that. I said, uh, hey, rip it out. He says, yeah. I said, magic people. And he goes, yeah, how do you know that? And I said, Larry Kelly was your singer and he's a co-writer. And he goes, yeah, I had a lot of songs sitting around that those guys didn't want to use. And so we started, the first mold breaker of the first three records was rip it out. Because I felt it was an old enough song that um, it would, it, it fit the idea of, of the older. And then uh, it just it was just uh, it kind of expanded from there. When I was doing the Paul Stanley solo shows, I started doing songs that Kiss and Time did not do, like uh, Detroit Rock City and Shout It Out Loud and and things like that. And the other guys in the band were like, they started to hear about it, and they're like, "Well, do you want to work those in?" And I said, "No, not really." 
And uh, but we just whenever we do a show, we constantly get asked for you know, where's Shout Out Loud? Where's Detroit Rock City? Where's Beth? Where's Calling Doctor Love? You know, where's Love Gun and uh, Christine Sixteen? And I was like, well. Read the poster. It says the the early tour. We're three years later. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but after I don't know what year it was. I think it was after the fifth year. I said I said all right, we got to start expanding. You know, we got to start doing something different. We can't just do the same. Even though we never do the same set twice, we either add something or drop something and rearrange something never if you've seen us once and you see us again you will not see the same show and i'm quite proud of that but about the fifth year i was like going i don't want to keep playing just these same 25 songs and that's when we started to creep into destroyer and rock and roll over and alive two and then um in 2020 january of 2020 or certain it was me and Kevy had been in for a long time. Jace had been in for a long time and Gonzo had just joined. I said, I have an idea. I said, starting now in 2020, we're going to do the 1975 tour. 2021, we'll do 76. 2022, 77. 2023, we'll do 78. 2024, we'll do 79. We'll get the costumes and learn the sets and blah, 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 blah uh, uh, and the songs. And and everybody's like, wow, what a great idea. Then COVID hit two months later and shut everything down for a year and a half. And then in the interim, Jace left and uh, we got uh, Top Jimmy back. And then it was just kind of really hard to get gigs because you had a lot of bands that hadn't played in a long time. And the clubs needed people to eat and drink and dance, not sit there with their mouths open taking photos. So there were a lot of bands getting booked over us because we were what I like to call a variety dance band, like Hollywood Boulevard or Rough House or Rock Gods. And, and nothing against those guys because I've played with all of them and I'm still friends with all those guys. But the clubs wanted those types of bands versus the tribute bands, which reinforced me uh, creating the MSP Trip Fest just for tribute bands. And those other variety bands, you know, be like, hey, you know, you ever need a, you know, you ever want a fifth band? I'm like, dude, you got to be, it's a tribute. You got to do one band and you have to do it well, you know. And I, um, there was a band that like drew from like Zeppelin and, um, Oh, I can't think of the other band. They did like 50-50. They're like, well, we do kind of Zeppelin and this. I said, no, you want to do all Zeppelin? Great. Or, or, the, or the other band? Great. But no, this is a tribute to like the old days of the, the festivals back in the 70s and 80s where you'd go see five, six bands in one day. In Des Moines, it was called the Iowa Jam. And there'd be like five bands. And I, I remember one that I went to had... Night Ranger, except Motley Crue, Ozzy Osbourne, and Ted Nugent. And that was kind of my idea. It was kind of my idea, but with tribute bands, because a lot of those bands are broken up, or the guys are dead, or whatever, you know? And, uh, or weren't touring anymore. You know, Crue said they were done. Mick Mars said, 
if there's another Kamali Crew tour, the tickets are free, and they called him out on it, and, you know, and it's like, where's our free tickets? So anyway, uh, that was the idea, and um, there was a lot of, uh, I, I, there was a, we had a Vinnie Vincent in the band for a while, I don't name names, but we had a Vinnie Vincent character in our, not on stage, but in real life. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've, we've had uh, uh, multiple drummers like Kiss did. We've had multiple guitar players like Kiss did. Um, there was a so show. Who would, who would be in the history of in the history of your band? Who would be the JJ French who was in Wicked Lester but went on to a different band? <laughs> Mick Rotella. There you go. Okay. Because so Mick JJ, went on. Okay. Yeah, he went on to um, Atomic Playboys, who I did play with. Oh, okay. So there's your JJ in the band then. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, like I said, you know, sometimes. Um, when I'm driving long trips, I'll, I'll think back to the history of what I've done. And, and I just start grinning because on a micro scale, I got to experience with what KISS went through. Um, right. The money, the money wasn't there and the fame wasn't there, but um, sometimes the recognition was there. I'll tell you, I did a, uh, I'm in another band called Bang Gang. It's a Tommy Bolin tribute. And uh, I did a sh uh, show on May 29th in Somerset with Bang Gang. And when I walked off the stage and I sat down, the band that came up after us, who were they, who were they, uh, Outlaw Saint, guitar player goes, hey, we got Star Child in the audience tonight, let's give him a round of applause. And I'm like... <laughs> And people like looking around because I wasn't in my costume, you know. Yep. And then after the show, I go, "How do you know me?" Because <laughs> I am not dressed up like him. And I said, "See me? Yeah, I've seen it. I know who you are." And I'm like, "Oh, okay." And uh, like I said, a micro scale on a micro scale, we we uh, I got to go through what they went through. And how many shows does Kissing Time do a year, roughly? Well. The, the busiest we ever were was 2017. We did 19 shows. Um, the slowest year we've ever done, I think, was five, uh, six. Six. Um, that's the problem. That has always been the problem with Kissing Time. Guys that are in Kissing Time always have another band that they're playing regularly with. And um, so it gets hard to book the shows. Um, it's hard for a couple reasons. Like I said, we're not, you know, we're not a, a dance, Guns N' Roses, Bon Jovi, Def Leppard dance band. So they, they, they tend to shy away from us. We do, we like to play shows with two, with, with one or two other bands and that they tend to steer away from us. But the other thing is I notice with the guys, the more we play, the, the 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 shorter their stint in the band becomes <laughs> and because it's a it's so much work like Joe marvelous um, you know Joe left and came back um, he left for a couple years and came back and I love Joe but Joe's passion is his his original band called uh, a river a river high. It's kind of a Christian rock thing. 
And when Joe was leaving the second time, I'm like, Joe, why do you want to go? And he goes, same reason I left the first time, dude. He goes, um, the costume and the makeup is two hours to do a 90-minute show. It takes us longer to get ready than to do the show. And then we got to take all this stuff off. And he said, you know, it just... it." And I go, is it about the money, Joe? And he goes, I don't even know if, if we got paid way more than we do now, if that would offset it. Because it's, he goes, the thing that he didn't, he really didn't like was the two hours to get ready. Um, but the weird thing was, Joe was one of the few guys that loved to practice. Joe, you want to practice Thursday? Yeah, I'm there. He yep. loved playing the tunes. He just, if he did the on makeup tour, he'd be all in. Yeah. <laughs> Kinda, cause he was in my, he was in, he left Kissing Time, and then I called him and he was in my solo band, Star Child, where I came out as Paul, but my backing band, they wore uh, black suits and sunglasses, and each member had a different colored tie, like a red, a blue, and a purple, I think, by and large. And then we just did a bunch of Kiss tunes, and in the tradition of true Paul Stanley solo shows, uh, ended with a cover tune or several cover tunes. Paul always liked to end with Led Zeppelin, and, and I tended to end it with Tommy Bolin because I'm from his neighborhood and I work for his brother and the Tommy Bolin estate. And um, I call my bass player, uh, Star Child, man, it was a road, a revolving door of guys. You know, they might, they might do, if they did three shows in a row, I was lucky. And uh, I called Joe and I said, hey, I need a bass player for this show coming up. Are you interested? And he goes, yeah, I'll do one show. And Joe stuck around for a while. And um, he's like, yeah, it's cool. Um, you know, I don't know. He goes, my wife and daughter, my, my original band, I don't know if I got the time. And then I called him and I said, Joe, I need you to do this Kissing Time show. It was a Halloween show in Minneapolis. And he's like, you know, I don't want to do it, but I'm not going to let you down. And so he came back, and he did great, and uh, I love playing with him, but he's just, you know, after a while, it's like, I don't like two hours getting ready for an hour and a half show, and I, I, you can't change that. And um, now we're, so... We're, we're based out here in the West Metro in Carver County. Do you guys ever play like Medina or anything out west here at all? Um, we haven't played Medina. I have contacted them many times, and uh, they tend to book the national KISS tributes like Strutter or uh, okay. KISS Army, um, those, those national ones. And uh, by the way, I have been called upon to sub for those nationals. So uh, yeah, I was, I was flattered by that. That, that I... I uh, I'll, I, I remember when I got the call, um, and they said, uh, you know, we need a, we need a Paul for this one show on, in Boston. And I go, yeah? And they said, we looked over your pictures, we watched your videos, your recording, and yeah, you're pretty good. And they said, you know, you definitely will work for this one show, maybe more down the road. And I said, yeah, I'm in, let's go. And uh, the problem there, oh, that's, that's, yes. That is what gave me the idea to do the different tour every year. 
because I had to learn all these uh, rock and roll over love gun tunes and uh, dynasty tunes for uh, Kiss Army. And um, I was telling the guys in Kiss of Time about this, and I'm like, yeah, I'm learning all these new tunes. And they're like, yeah? And I go, yeah. And I said, what do you guys think about it? And I said, well, you know, the idea is the early tour. And I said, yeah, I know. And so I, fine, I'll just keep doing them in Star Child. And so, and that's kind of, I would do, do newer songs in Star Child, and then they'd see it, and they're like, well, why don't we start doing it then? Um, on the West Side, we played, uh, man, it's, it was way southwest. They had a bar in front and a bowling alley in the back. I can't think of it. And I, would, I was always mispronouncing the name. Um, and we've done St. Cloud. Our first live album was recorded in St. Cloud. Um, we've played, we used to play, we used to have a residency at Lee's before they tore it down. Um, Fr uh, Fridley, we played, uh, Fridley, I don't know how many times, you know. That Ziggy's down there or 47's or whatever? 47, Route 47. Yep. Yeah. I'd say 10 times at Route 47, probably. Um, there's just not a lot of places west. The thing you got to remember for us, in addition to what I've already covered, you know, set lists and people eating and drinking and uh, dancing, there's got to be enough room. Right. I, we're not just going to, I am not just going to go up there and make up costumes and crank out, you know, uh, I was made for loving you and love gun. We've got the whole show. And now this year, I don't know how we're going to do this, but we did. We fit it all in one van until earlier this year. A lot of our gear was stolen out of the warehouse. So again, again, micro scale. I got to live what Kiss did because in '70 they they got their their loft broken into and all their gear was stolen. And they talked about it frequently, and I thought, and I never thought much of it till it happened to me. And then, then what happens to you? It's like, oh, yeah, now I get it. So, um, our gear, a, a lot of our gear got stolen in, uh, first part of this year and we started replacing some of it. And now it's going to take two bands to get the show there. And I'm like going, boy, that's, that's that much more work, but it looks that much more cool. Um, there's certain places that we just can't fit into, you know, and, uh, we played bass lacks one time. Um, it was really hard. Uh, two reasons. It was in December, and their dressing room isn't heated, so we had we had to heat up our makeup to get it on our face. <laughs> um, we had to. You, you, there's two. Well, I'm not giving away the secrets, but there's two <laughs> ways to do it. And uh, for all you other guys who want to ride on my coattails, start your own band. Figure it out yourself. Uh, there's two ways to Google heat it up. Google it. Yeah, Google it. There's two ways to do it, and we had it, we did it one way at Lee's because their their heat went out, and we did a different way at uh, uh, Maeslax. But Maeslax, the stage was so small. Every time I took a step, I almost fell over because I was standing on a stand or a cord or a monitor. And it, it, it isn't that I wouldn't play Maeslax again because we were scheduled to two times after that but 
true in all honesty somebody screwed it up for us and that's why they didn't have us back but the stage was really not big enough to hold us and uh, there's another place i went there to see my friend's band and i went talk to the owner and he says yeah i'm interested in getting you here and i was looking at the setup and i was like the stage is not big enough and where the the people stand it's not big enough because it was half a restaurant and half a, a bar i guess oh, like okay. baselax and the place where the the band was was half the size of where the bar was and i was like man this is just not conducive it's um it's not that i don't want to play some of these places but if right. we got to get a, a it has to be a win-win. We have to get enough people in there to make it worthwhile for the bar to have us there. Yeah. And if the yeah. place is, is simply too small, it's a lose-lose. So, um, now here's the thing that this this thing this really uh, is to quote Gonzo, fingernails on the chalkboard for me. I get questions all the time about set lists and where we play and this and that and the other thing and so fortunately don't edit we're on we're being recorded don't edit this part out okay if if you want to know about kissing times history go to kissing time minneapolis facebook go to the photos section go under the albums section there is a photo album for every single show we've ever done Photos from the show, videos from the show, the set list from the show, and and because uh, people, I get asked for that all the time, all the time. Um, well, and sir, no. go ahead. So uh, what I was gonna say is the the your Facebook page is a great page. I love that. Um, and you got your shop there. Is do you advertise? Do people come into your shop looking? It also is a place to contact you if they want the band to play. Is coming to the shop. Oh, yeah, all the time, all the time. There was a guy in here last week, he was buying something, and uh, he said, he, I, he said, I said, thank you, and he said, no, thank you, and I said, I looked at him, and I, well, dude, you're giving me money, and I'm giving you product, you know, it, thank you for, and he was like, I know who you are, and I said, yeah, and he goes, yeah, if you want to thank me, come down and jam with my band, and I go, who do you think I am? He goes, you're the guy in kissing time. And I go, okay, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, people can find me here. That's the, the weird thing about Mr. Zeros is there's a lot of kiss merchandise in here. And the reason for that is every time we do a show, it's sponsored by Mr. Zeros. And people would show up with truckloads of kiss merchandise that they wanted to get rid of. <laughs> and yeah, trucks, truckloads. And in the beginning, it was great. Yeah, we'll buy this, we'll buy this. But after year five, six, seven, it's like, guys, you know, if you want to give us this, we'll take it. But we've got so much of this. And, and for the, um, 20, 20, starting in 2015 through about 2017, we used, during 100,000 years, where, you know, I got a question for you. I had a question for the wild people over here. I used to throw kids merchandise into the crowd during that section because we had so much of it and we couldn't sell it at the store. And we probably bucket had those throwing toys out to the crowd, you know? Yeah, yeah. In fact, 
I booked a Buckethead tribute uh, 2019, and they were on before us. And he came out across our handing out toys. I'm like, after the show, I go, dude, why did you get my, my gimmick? And he goes, no, that's what Buckethead does. And he goes, I thought you took it from Buckethead. I said, no, I actually stole the idea from Cheap Trick. I said, during uh, Surrender, Cheap Trick used to throw Kiss records out into the crowd. Because uh, the line in the song is, Mom and Dad are rocking and rolling on the couch, got my Kiss records out. Well, Rick Nielsen of Cheap Trick in the 70s used to throw Kiss records into the crowd. Mm, and, uh, and at the trip fest that you guys were at, the Cheap yeah. Trick band came, came back to me and she goes, did you bring any Kiss records with you? And I go, no. She goes, well, I wanted to throw a Kiss record out during Surrender. And I go, here. And I gave her a kiss in time one. I said, it's close enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I would like to thank you for being on. It's been great having you on here. Um, maybe have you on in the fall sometime. We'll look over kiss history and kiss trivia and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I'll tell you on, on that quickly. Uh, I know we've gone way over our time, and I'm not nearly done talking about myself. But... Um, <laughs> So, uh, before the internet, uh, I started working on a book called Send in the Clowns. And the, this guy, Kurt Gooch, called me and uh, he said, I hear you think you have the Kiss show from Sioux City in 1982. And I said, no, I do have that. And... Uh, and he said, uh, would you mind playing it on the, on, over the phone for me? And I was like, yeah, you know, it's your, that back then you paid for long distance. I said, yeah, it's your money. I don't yeah. care. You're so I played, yeah, so I played it for him and he goes, how did you get that? And I said, well, I taped it. I was in the front row and I taped it. And he goes, we're working on this book, Kiss Alive Forever, with every concert they ever performed, every set list. And I said, uh, okay. And I said, well, I'm doing the same thing called sending the clowns. And they go, well, no matter how far you are, we're way ahead of you. So just if you want credit, turn over what you have into our book and we'll give you credit. And I said, that way at least it'll get out. And I said, yeah, okay. So they interviewed me for eight hours and I submitted 28 concerts that I personally recorded. Which, now one of them is going to be, they just announced they're releasing it this uh this fall, Des Moines 77, November of 77. Um, I had a recording of it that I turned into those guys, but unbeknownst to me, they recorded it on the soundboard. So that's very exciting news for me. Um, so uh, the book comes out, and uh, it didn't do too well. So the, the Kurt had this idea to re-release the CDs, and he did a roundtable of 25 guys, just like this, called them on a phone conference call. And I was number 24 of 25. So I'm not claiming that I'm the expert. I'm claiming at, at the time, I was at the bottom of the list. And he comes around and he says, what do you think about reissuing the CDs? And I said, worst idea you've ever had. And he goes, and he was kind of offended. Oh, really? I said, yeah. I said, no KISS fan wants to buy these a third time. I said, if you want to release something, do a DVD for every two albums, for the first two, the second, the third, and fourth, fifth, sixth, put a DVD out, and if you want to include a CD as a bonus, 
go ahead, but nobody's going to buy another round of CDs. And he, he, he says, that's the greatest thing I've ever heard. So he went back to the number 23 through 1 and said, what do you think? And they're like, that's the, the best idea ever. And uh, so, hang on one second. How you doing today? He said this back. So, Kurt and, um, well, what's the guy's name? Jeff. Kurt and Jeff. This is what we got to do. So, um, they wrote up a proposal and sent it into Universal Records to put out these DVDs. And then it went across Gene's desk, of course. And Gene calls up Kurt and says, um, there is no way you are going to put out any of my catalog. And Kurt said, well, I can lease it. You know, your, your current agreement allows for leasing, and I can lease it. And he goes, not without my approval. Shortly after that, the Kistory box sets were released. Wow. So, wow. And, and, and now if I was going to make up something, it would be better than that. But the Kistory box sets were initially my idea. That Kurt took to Gene, and Gene put him out himself. Did Gene at least send you a Christmas card or a thank you or anything, or no? No, but one time I got an email from him that said I had to write him a thank you note. <laughs> uh, when it was, uh, see, I don't, I, I never wrote this stuff down. It just, just it happened, and I, I laughed, and I, I wrote it, and I sent it off, and I would say it was probably... I would guess 2016, I got an a email from him. Not probably his assistant, more accurately, but, right. you know, from the office of Gene Simmons. Um, you you are uh, in a Kiss tribute band, and I want a thank you uh, note for allowing you to do what you do on something I created. And um, I kind of remember my response. It was like, um, "If I can't believe all you want is a thank you," I said, uh, "I I am enamored by you in so many different ways. Of of course, kiss because we do that." And I said, "But to me, the thing that really impresses me is you're an immigrant born in another country, come to America. You don't even speak the language." And you become one of the, the, the most successful rock stars and businessmen on the planet Earth. And I said, that's, it's an amazing story. I don't, even if you weren't in KISS, yeah, uh, I would be like, how cool is that? And I don't know, my, my thank you was about a paragraph. I sent it off and they didn't answer. But uh, no, um, no, they, uh, in the mu I've been in the music biz a long time, and it works like this. Um, I was trying to get on with Universal Records uh, in the reissue department, and uh, they agreed to do an interview with me, and we met uh, for a meeting, with a lunch-slash-meeting, and they told me to bring in three proposals for uh, what I had, and I, I brought in three, and they the first one, they're like, yeah, we already got a, a uh, a CD out for that band. And I said, yeah, but it's it's not very encompassing. I said, it, it, it would be a good starter CD, but you could do a much better job, and here's what you, what you could do. And they're like, nah, what's next? 
And I said, well, here's this band. And they go, you know the story on that. That's locked up in legalities. Nobody can touch that right now. And I said, well, you know, okay, I, I do know that, but you asked for ideas. They go, well, what's your third one? And I said, oh, Black and Blue, they were on Geffen Records. All their stuff's out of print. It should be, I, I said, you should have a best of or a greatest hits out there. I get asked for it all the time. And they're like, Black and Blue? They were who's really going to buy cool. that? Hey, who's going to buy that? And I go, well, there's a lot of people out there for it. And I said, and on that, uh, Tommy, uh, Tommy Thayer was not in Kiss yet. Um, he was still, uh, he was still like the road manager or whatever. And, um, uh, I said, well, Gene Simmons produced, uh, I think two of the five records. And I said, but Peter Chris appeared on one of those. And I said, so Kiss fans are going to buy it because it's produced by Gene Simmons. Gene wrote the songs and performed on a couple of them. And I said, but Peter Chris is on it. And I said, and um, I, I said, there's just, a, there is a demand for it. And they said, can you, if we give this the green light, do you think we could sell 5,000 in the first year? And I go, I don't know. I said, what do reissues usually sell? And they go, well, that's the green light, it's 5,000. And I said, well, I don't know that I can guarantee that any more than you can. And this meeting was in the springtime because it wasn't it wasn't snowing anymore, but it was still cold. And that fall, guess what came out? Best of Dr. Blue. Nice. And but they and, and they said you know these they said if we get green light green lights on these you're not getting paid. And I said I, I understand how it works. It's, it's quid pro and you got to do it for, uh, um, oh, the word escapes me right now, um, pro, for lack of, I can't even word pro bono, I said, you know, if I get enough of these out, then you guys can hire me, and I said, all I want is my name on there, you know, the, the compilation by or whatever, blah, 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 and they're like, yeah, I don't know, if, you can, if we can't sell 5,000 the first year, we're not going to do it, boom. Six months later, it was out. So your name and I call. Nope. I call Jason and I go. He, he wouldn't answer the phone. I left him a message. Jason, I saw you put out the bag of black and blue. Uh, I thought you weren't really sold on that idea. And he never called me back. So that's how it works, man. No. Uh, everybody's out there stealing from everybody else. And yep. Robert Plant said it. Said it. Said this. He goes, everybody steals from everybody else. It, the problem is, if you become famous, then they catch you. Yep. Hmm. Well, I'd like to thank you for your time today, Mr. Zero. Yes, thank you. No problem. Uh, lots wow. of information. We'd love to have you on again. Like on the phone, we'll go over, go over more kiss, history and yeah, stuff like no that. Yeah. And we'll set them up. Uh, any other plugs for the store or the bands you want to give out one last time? Yes. Websites or uh, Facebook pages? Uh, 100%. Uh, Mr. Zero's in Roseville. 55113. We've been here 13 years. We sell records and CDs, Nintendo and Sega, VHS and DVDs, and toys in the package. Um, you can go, there is uh, Mr. Zero's website that you can go to uh, for information. We don't sell on the website. You got to come to the store. Um, there, uh, Kissin' Time, Minneapolis on Facebook. Go to the events. You can see our sh upcoming shows. We have a show this Sunday, July 3rd, in Hinkley, Minnesota at the casino. 
Um, we're doing three sets. We don't really do that. This might be the second or third time in our history to do three sets. And they're all different. No repeats. So uh, you're not going to hear Rock and Roll Night three times. Um, and uh, you can... Um, if you like, I said, if you want to know about past shows and songs we've done, go to the photo album and the and the Facebook for Kissing Time. Mr. Zeros, you can find him on everything: uh, YouTube, Instagram, Pinterest, MySpace, Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook. Um, I probably forgot one. We have our own website, of course. Um, also, I write a monthly music column for RosevillePatch.com. It's going to be published any day now called uh, Shock Value, where there's a brief section on KISS there. But if you want to read excerpts from my book that has not been released, send in the clowns. Go to rosevillepatch.com under Mr. Zero's backslash KISS. There's somewhere between 7 and 11 articles on KISS from my book that I haven't finished yet. Um, I also do a weekly column for uh, TwinCitiesBuzz.com, and uh, I have uh, I'm down to one radio show now. Sundays, 7:30 a.m. on WDGY out of Hudson, St. Paul, but 7:40 a.m. 92.1 FM, 103.7 FM, and uh, digital I think is 107.1. But I do, um, primarily my radio show is one artist in a 30-minute period, start to finish. And if I, I can't do it in one show. I do it in two, sometimes three. But I have done uh, Kiss shows. I did um, the Alive show, stuff, the Top 40 Hits, which a lot of people argued with me on that. I said, Google it. Rocket Ride was number 39 in 1978. I'm sorry. These are facts. Um, the songs that they say, no, no, these are the hits. No, go, go, go check the billboard charts. They're not what you think. And then I did a show on Paul, Gene and Ace and Peter. And the cool thing on the solo member shows, I played one song for each of those guys that most people have never heard. And, uh, so, um, if you're a huge fan I guarantee you, like, whoa, I didn't know about that. Um, so uh, those you can hear at MrZeros.com under the podcast key for free um, if they're still posted. I don't. They only hold about two years' worth. And this is my fifth year, so I don't know what's up there. Um, also, very important, very important, I'm in the band Gang, uh, Bang Gang, which is a tribute to Tommy Bolin. We're playing Sioux City, Iowa on August 6th. At 3 p.m. at the Icky Nickel. That's very important to me. Um, Tommy, I'm from his neighborhood, and that's a whole other story. You can also read about that on RosevillePatch.com. Um, so, I would love a copy of this because I want... A guy was talking to me today about being in the entertainment biz, and I said, he goes, do you, do you ever watch your own movies or their shows? Or, and I said, loosely, because... If it's a 30-minute segment, I want to know what they used. I want to hear what they used. Because uh, I just did a guest spot on a radio show uh, in March, and I finally got a copy of it because I wanted to hear what they used of my interview. 
and it wasn't much. <laughs> Interesting. We'll, we'll use all of, we want to make it a two-parter, but we're using all of it, so I'll tell you that right now. So Awesome. Right. Yeah, it's very good. Thanks and again I for your wanna, time. I want to thank you guys for bothering to be interested in talking to me. Yeah. Oh, it was our pleasure, sir. Fun, like st- said, fun stuff. Fun stuff. Eight-year-old me is just all... Youthful memories. I appreciate it. Well, um, you guys can go post your link on Mr. Zero's Facebook. I'll take it from there and spread it on our other links because I, I, I promote anybody that will promote us. So, awesome. Consider it done. It'll be up there by tomorrow morning. Awesome. All right. Good luck on the show on Thanks, the third. Guys. All right. Talk All to you right. later. See ya. All right. Bye. Well, Andy. I think so. We're still uh, we're still here recording, but this is this is good. They're going to be promoting. Uh, we're going to promote that July third show is going to be huge uh, for the watchers out there. I've got it up right now. The poster for that show that should be awesome. And and for those uh, watching here on the webcam, I do have my Kissin' Time T-shirt on. It's called the seventy four tribute, and I think Andy, you have the same one. And their yep. poster, yep. like we said earlier, their poster actually does say. For the upcoming one, 75 tribute. So you got to look closely at yep. these. They're doing various tributes for KISS for the various time periods. And once again, they'll be at the Rival House up there. Uh, it's under free entertainment and events, Grand Casino at the Rival House. Uh, so that's where they're performing July the, 3rd. And never the same show twice. That's going to be a great thing, too. When you'll see a band and you see them a year later, it's the same show again. Oh, that's kind of boring. If there's never the same show twice, why would you not want to keep going? Excellent. You know? It's true. It's true. And here's our here's the various ways uh, the listeners can get in t- contact uh, with us for sports and songs. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I'm showing the link right there. We have a YouTube yeah. channel and a uh, blog cont- uh, blog post as well. So we've got everything else out there. We'll put this out there. We'll help promote the show. And uh, feel free to leave your comments down there below for, uh, for questions, possibly, the next time we interview. We're going to have Mr. Zero on again, hopefully for a roundtable discussion, some trivia, some questions for him. Very well connected in that Chris, uh, in the KISS uh, crowd. Uh, and like I said, he's done some podcasts also on Three Sides yeah. of the Coin, which is another one we haven't even brought up yet. But that's a very interesting podcast as well. So yes, until next time, uh, any other questions, uh, Andy, to, before we wrap up? Everybody have a safe Fourth of July. Like I said, this is probably a two-part episode, so some of you are hearing this after his Hinkley show, some before. Uh, but like I said, he's got that show coming up in Iowa with the Bang Gang, uh, Tommy Bolin tribute. That's uh, good stuff to listen to there. Uh, look up Tommy Bolin on the your Google machine, the different music he's done in the past, too. Very talented musician. Awesome. All right. Thanks. Uh, we'll see you next time. All right. Talk to you later. See you.